Now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the, to the senses. Verse 6. Without faith it is impossible to please, to be satisfactory to God, for whoever come near to God must believe that God exists and that he is the rewarder of those who earnestly and diligently seek him out. Okay, so you need to come to the God who is the rewarder. It's the rewarder who is. <laughs> who is the one who is? Is he one that's stingy that doesn't want to give you something? Sorry, I came to the wrong God. So who is? Oh, he's the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Oh, he is gracious, compassionate, loving, rich in love. So, oh, he's wonderful, he's glorious, he's marvelous. He's not the angry one. You're going, coming to the wrong person. <laughs> if you think that, okay? So that's why some people's faith don't work is because their picture of who God is is wrong. Now, it speaks of all these different people who did something in faith, okay? It says here, uh, Enoch was caught up and transferred to heaven so that he did not have to, the, a glimpse of death. Okay, Noah being forewarned by God concerning the events, uh, of the events of which as yet there was no visible sign, took heed and diligently and reverently constructed and prepared an ark. Okay, so a lot of people did stuff in faith. Verse 13, these people all died controlled and sustained by their faith, but not having received the tangible fulfillment of God's promises. Only having seen it and greeted it from a great distance by faith. And all the while acknowledging and confessing that they were strangers and temporary residents and exiles upon the earth. The prophets prophesied of the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Okay, First Peter 1. They earnestly inquired to whom this was speaking, that the, the spirit inside them was, was indicating when, when these prophecies came. But the Holy Spirit showed them that it was not for them in their period of time, but for you. First Peter 1. Okay? So, the old prophets, they prophesied stuff. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. Chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his wounds we are healed. Isaiah died. Jesus didn't come in his time. Just greeted it afar off by faith. Jeremiah wrote. All the others spoke, but Jeremiah wrote, I will write my laws in their hearts and minds. And their sins and law-breakings I will remember no more. Jeremiah died before Jesus came. He saw it, greeted it afar off. Matthew 11, Jesus speaking, he says, Who did you go out to see? Uh, did you go out to see a prophet? Speaking of John the Baptist. He says, yeah, more than a prophet. He said, I tell you that from... Those born of women, there is none greater than John the Baptist. 
Okay? Speaking of the Old Testament prophets, there's none greater than John the Baptist. Why? Because John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God that comes to take away the sin of the world. There he is. All the others greeted him afar off without having seen the tangible fulfillment of the promises. Okay? All of them. Oh, he's going to come. He's going to come. By faith, they believed it. They wrote it. They spoke it. They did everything. They died. John the Baptist. Behold, the Lamb of God that comes to take away the sin of the world. So Jesus himself said, of all born of women, none greater than John the Baptist. Nevertheless, the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Why? Because the least in the kingdom of God is born of God. Born again. From incorruptible seed. From the ever-living word of God. Having received the fulfillment of the promised, long-promised Holy Spirit. So, we received the Holy Spirit. That's the fulfillment. That's the whole point. That's the whole deal. That was the big deal. The big thing why everything happened. Is so that you can have the Holy Spirit. But we think, okay, it's just another kind of uh, certificate. Another course I did. Okay, got the Holy Spirit. What's next? Speaking tongues, next. That's the mindset. Okay? But having the Holy Spirit is the fulfillment of everything the prophets wrote about. That's what they prophesied. The glory that should follow. There you have it, the Holy Spirit. Okay, Peter stood up day of Pentecost. Uh, you know, they were all in one place in one accord and suddenly there was a sound of a mighty rushing wind. And cloven tongues of fire divided and sat upon each of them, and they all spoke in other tongues. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? So, uh, the people immediately said, they are full of new wine. Because it kind of looks like you're full of new wine, you know? So, Peter stood up. He said, these are not drunk as you suppose. Looks like it, but not as you suppose. It's a bit of a different new wine. But this is that spoken of the prophet Joel. In the last days, I will pour out of my spirit. So that's what God says about the last days. I will pour out of my spirit. Not I will snatch everyone away and let planes crash because there's no pilot. <laughs> it's not what he said. This is that spoken of the prophet Joel. In the last days, I will pour out of my spirit. And... The young men will dream dreams, old men will see visions, men servants, maid servants, prophesy, etc. Okay? So he did everything. All the prophets came, wrote, spoke, everything came. All the detail of the Old Testament happened. All the people of faith mentioned in Hebrew. All of that happened so that Jesus could come. So that he could die, so that he could be raised from the dead, so that he could pour, uh, give the Spirit, receive my Spirit, and then he went into glory. Ascended. There he goes. All that happened so that the Holy Spirit could come to those who believe. And 
we receive the Holy Spirit, then we think, okay, how am I going to get out of this mess? I, am I going to get out? I have the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I mean, the prophets, Elisha, they were busy cutting wood because they wanted to build wooden houses. Okay? So one of his prophet friends, you know, he was busy with an axe, and there goes the axe edge in the river. Say, alas, my master, for it was borrowed. She so said, where was it? Okay, he took a stick, threw it in the water, here comes the axe edge, shwink, floating on top of the water. Axe head, steel. Do you know how heavy an axe head is? There it is. He just took a stick, cut it off, and threw it in the water. He was not filled with the Holy Spirit. He did not speak in tongues. Old Testament prophet. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he spoke. The Word of the Lord came to him and. The Word of the Lord, Spirit of the Lord came upon and. The Spirit of God dwells in you. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, New Testament. Philip, okay? He went to that guy, that eunuch on his, on his wagon, Acts chapter 8. He was reading Isaiah, remember? Okay. Came to him, explained it to him. They were on the wagon going, going, going. There's water. What hinders me to be baptized? Nothing. So he went and baptized him. As he came up, Philip gone. They found him in Azotus. So, and we're praying for a new BMW. <laughs> he was there, and, and he's there, hundreds of kilometers away, instantly, carried away by the Spirit. Don't you think that's more exciting than a fast car? <laughs> and we're worried about a car payment. What is available? Now, that's Philip who was filled with the Holy Spirit. There's more available. Okay, but that's not the message. The point is, these Old Testament guys, they greeted it afar off, not having received the tangible fulfillment. 39. And all of these, though they won divine approval by means of their faith, did not receive the fulfillment of what was promised. Okay? Because God had us in mind. So we're living in an awesome time. Okay, it was not meant for their period of time, but for you. Write this to a generation yet unborn, that the people will praise the Lord. Write, write to the generation yet unborn. So, that's you. These things, all this happened so that you can hear what you're hearing tonight. Because God is planning a worldwide revival. And He's revealing things out of His Word. And those who hear, let them, let those who have an ear, let them hear. What this, you're not sitting here by accident. It's not just another church camp meeting thingy. God is speaking to you. Things that were hidden throughout generations and ages are now being disclosed to the saints. Okay? Uh, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's Colossians 1, 26, 27. Okay. Hidden things are now revealed. So 
when God is speaking, realize God is speaking now. Things are being revealed. I'm realizing who I am now and what it is that is dwelling in me. And there's more available and there's some supernatural force that, that's now available. And we can live a life far above the natural. Okay? But we're going to a message. Okay? This is not the message. God had us in mind had something better and greater in view for us so that they, the heroes and heroines of faith, should not come to perfection apart from us before we could join them. Okay. He didn't want them to come to perfection apart from us. Just keep that in mind. Hebrews chapter 12. For you have not come. Okay, so you have not come to a material mountain that can be touched. A mountain that is ablaze with fire and to gloom and darkness and a raging storm and to the blast of a trumpet and a voice whose words make the listeners beg that nothing more be said to them. Okay, this mountain was Mount Horeb where the law was given. And there was a cloud and there was fire on the mountain. God spoke out of this cloud and the people screamed, please, 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 don't say another word. Moses, you go up and speak with God. It's too terrifying for us. The law was given there. They could not bear the command that was given. Even if a wild animal touches the mountain, it shall be stoned to death. In fact, so awful and terrifying was the phenomenal sight that Moses said, I'm terrified. If Moses says he's terrified, then it's terrifying. Okay. Verse 22. But rather, you have come. So now this is the one we have now. You have come to Mount Zion. Even to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless multitudes of angels in festal gathering, and to the church of the firstborn who are registered as citizens in heaven, and to the God who is judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous who have been made perfect. They could not be made perfect. Because God had something better in mind for us. That they could not come to perfection without us. Now, we have come to Mount Zion. To the angels festival gathering. To the citizens in heaven. The church of the firstborn. Then it says, to the spirits of the saints of the righteous made perfect. It means they got their promise. It means we and them together are now the church. Okay? Those in Christ. And to Jesus, the mediator, the go-between of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks of mercy, a better and nobler and more gracious message than the blood of Abel, which cried out for vengeance. Okay. So... The blood speaks. The blood of Abel. Cain slayed Abel. Okay. And the earth drank up his blood. And that blood cried out vengeance. Avenge my death. Cried out for vengeance. His blood cried out for vengeance. This was not right. His blood was crying out for vengeance. For judgment for Cain. 
Okay? So that blood cried out a message of judgment. But we have now come to Mount Zion. We've come to the sprinkled blood of Jesus, which speaks of a better agreement, better testament. It speaks of mercy, not vengeance. So see to it that you do not reject him or refuse to listen to and hear him who is speaking to you now. For if they, the Israelites, did not escape when they refused to listen and heed him who warned and divinely instructed them here on earth, how much less shall we escape if we reject and return and turn our backs on him who cautions and admonishes us from heaven? Then at Mount Sinai his voice shook the earth, but now he has given a promise. Yet once more I will shake and make tremble not only the earth but also the starry heavens. That's Agai chapter 2, okay? Now this expression, yet once more, indicates the final removal and transformation of all that can be shaken. That is, of that which has been created, in order that what can not be shaken may remain and continue. Therefore, receiving a kingdom that is firm and stable and cannot be shaken. Let us therefore, receiving a kingdom... Offer to God pleasing service and acceptable worship with modesty and pious care and godly fear and awe, for our God is indeed a consuming fire. Okay. God speaks from heaven. Message from heaven. The blood of Jesus speaks of mercy. Speaks of mercy. Speaks of mercy. Blood of Abel cried out for vengeance. Jesus came, and that cry was satisfied because he poured out his blood for you. Let's start at verse 8. I'll explain it a little bit. By this the Holy Spirit points out that the way into the true holy of holies is not yet thrown open as long as the former tabernacle remains a recognized institution and is still standing. If we look to the old, to rituals, if we look to the old to change ourselves to be acceptable, if we come by religion, by sacrifices, the way is not open. If we come by the blood, the way is open. We can enter boldly. That's what Hebrews 10 says. He says, he initiated and opened and dedicated a new way uh, way for us in the power of the blood of jesus through the separating curtain that is through his flesh remember we we read that okay we enter in through the blood through his broken flesh that's it we we can boldly enter hebrews 4 we can boldly come to the throne of grace and receive mercy in time of of, of need to receive grace okay we can boldly enter anytime but as long as the former tabernacle remains a recognized institution, the way is not open. Okay? So if we try by religion, no presence. We come by the blood, by grace, <laughs> you are there. Okay. Seeing that the first tabernacle 
was a parable. In it, gifts and sacrifices are offered and yet are incapable of perfecting the conscience or of cleansing and renewing the inner man of the worshiper. Incapable. The old is incapable of cleansing your conscience. Okay, so here the conscience, the heart now becomes relevant. Uh, where do you feel accusation in your conscience? Where do you feel guilty in your conscience? Where do you experience torment in your conscience? Where do you ask God for peace in your conscience? Okay, so he says, these things, the first tabernacle, incapable of cleansing the, cleansing the conscience. Right? Verse 10. For the ceremonies deal only with clean and unclean meats and drinks and different washings, mere external rules and regulations for the body imposed to tide the worshippers over until the time of setting things straight, of reformation of the complete new order, when Christ shall establish the reality of what these things foreshadow, a better covenant. But the, that appointed time came when Christ appeared as the high priest of the better things that have come and are to come. Then through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with human hands, that is not a part of this material creations, he went once for all into the holy of holies of heaven, the real one. Not by virtue of the blood of goats and calves by which to make reconciliation between God and man, but his own blood, having found and secured a complete redemption and everlasting release for us. So now this blood is crying for vengeance. People try to bring goats and bulls, the bloods. It doesn't, doesn't clear it. The vengeance isn't satisfied. It's still angry. There's still judgment. Okay. So Jesus came once for all into the true holy of holies in heaven with his own blood. <laughs> Cleared it, stopped it. All the requirements of the law met once for all. That... That cry for vengeance satisfied once for all. That's why the Bible says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. For if the mere sprinkling of unholy and defiled persons with blood of goats and bulls and with the ashes of a burnt heifer is sufficient for the purification of the body, how much more surely shall the blood of Christ, who by the virtue of his eternal spirit, has offered himself as an unblemished sacrifice to God. Purify our consciences from dead works and lifeless observances to serve the ever-living God. Okay, so the blood of Christ comes. Here your conscience is now accusing you. You're feeling guilty, you're feeling bad. You don't feel the presence of God, you're feeling unrest. You feel, ah, the accusing voice, crying out for vengeance, you feel bad, you know you, you feel judged. Blood of Christ comes, sprinkles, cleanses your conscience from dead works, lifeless observances. There's no more need to do sacrifices. Cleansed conscience, pure conscience, washed, purged. Okay? Stand before God justified, clean, pure, holy. So the blood speaks. The blood of Abel's cries for vengeance it says here in hebrews 9 verse 22 in fact under the law almost everything is purified by means of blood and without shedding of blood there is neither release from sin and its guilt nor the remission and 
of the due and merited punishments for sin. Okay, so to get rid of the punishment and all the stuff of the law, the perfect blood sacrifice had to be brought. The only thing that could get us free from the law was the perfect sacrifice brought by the perfect high priest. So we had a perfect high priest, perfectly adaptable to our needs, having suffered the same temptations but never yielding to sin. He was faithful over the house of God. He came with his own blood and once for all purged all sin, cleansed it. So there's a message that the blood of Christ speaks to your conscience. The blood of Christ speaks and it says to your conscience, you're forgiven. The blood of Christ speaks to your conscience, you are free. Blood of Christ speaks to your conscience, you are justified. The blood of Christ speaks to your conscience, you are released forever. The blood of Christ speaks to your conscience. You are forever completely cleansed. You are perfected by grace. You are the beloved of God. You are purchased with a price. You are not your own. You are God's peculiar people. His prized possession. That's what the blood says. The other blood says, you wicked thing. You need to be smashed up and hit with a stick. Jesus' blood. You are my beloved. You are precious in my sight. You are the beloved of God. Your sins are forgiven. You've been bought with a price. The blood speaks of better and more nobler promises. His voice spoke the earth shook. But he made a promise, Haggai chapter 2. He says, Yet once more will I shake the earth and the heavens. Not only the earth, but also the starry heavens. So that that which can be shaken will be shaken. And that which will remain shall remain. Therefore, let us receive a kingdom cannot be shaken <laughs> okay king james says therefore receiving a kingdom that cannot be moved so if it cannot be moved it means we're moving nowhere if it cannot be moved it means no more rapture if it cannot be moved it means we're not going to fly away oh glory we yeah. let your kingdom come so let's receive the kingdom that's coming let your kingdom come in earth as it is in heaven. Okay. So receiving a kingdom that cannot be moved. Listen to the King James here. He says, wherefore we're receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace. Whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Godly fear doesn't mean I'm afraid of God. Godly fear means I worship him. Put him first in my heart. It means I'm in awe of him. It means I, I'm in reverence of him. It doesn't mean I run away and I'm afraid of him. Okay? For our God is a consuming fire. That fire is the love of Christ. It burns away all the rubbish. So the kingdom is righteousness, 
peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. Kingdom of God. So wherefore receiving a kingdom that cannot be moved. Means, if you understand you are righteous before God, your sins are forgiven. And you live and your heart is purged from condemnation and filled with joy and peace. Nothing can move you. Nothing can shake you. So we receive a kingdom that cannot be moved because God says, I'm going to shake and move. So receive the kingdom so you won't be shaken and moved. So when the true gospel of the cross is preached, people's institutions, people's doctrines, people's handbooks get shaken. Like a budgie in a cage. Shaken. It feels like the world is ending. But if you're standing on the foundation, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So these guys were kind of arguing. One is for Paul, one is for Apollos. Okay. So now Paul says, verse 4, For when one says, I belong to Paul, and another, I belong to Apollos, are you not proving yourselves ordinary, unchanged men? Okay. 1 Corinthians 3, for those who don't know. Verse 5. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Ministering servants, not heads of parties, through whom you believed, even as the Lord appointed to each his task. I planted, Apollos watered, but God all the while was making it grow, and he gave the increase. So neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but only God who makes it grow and become greater. He who plants and he who waters are equal, one in aim of the same importance and esteem. Yet each shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are fellow workmen, joint promoters, laborers together with and for God. Okay, you can read 2 Corinthians 6 verse 1 as a reference there. You are God's garden and vineyard and field under cultivation. You are God's building. Now, here comes the part where you have to listen. According to the grace of God. Let us receive grace where we may serve God. Okay. According to the grace of God bestowed on me, like a skillful architect and master builder, I laid the foundation. And now another man is building upon it, but let each man be careful how he builds upon it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. The apostles lay the foundation. So if someone is not laying the foundation, he's not an apostle. But the foundation is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Okay? He's there. It's there. We are now reading what the apostle wrote. We're not adding chapters. This is it. Okay, just saying. But if anyone builds upon the foundation, whether it be with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, the work which each one, uh, of each one will become plainly, openly known, shown for what it is. For the day of Christ will disclose and declare it, because it will be revealed with fire. <laughs> and the fire will test and critically appraise the character and the worth and the work each person has done. 
Okay. Song of Solomon speaks of the love of God being a fire. Jeremiah 23. Is not my word a fire? A hammer that breaks the rock of stubborn resistance. Okay. So the word is the person Christ. The love is the person Christ. And he is a fire. God is love. God is a consuming fire. God is the word. All adds up. Okay. So the love of Christ is the fire. So now. The work of each person will become plainly, openly known, shown for it is for the day of Christ, who is love, who is fire, who is the word, will disclose and declare it because it will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test and critically appraise the character and worth of the work each person has done. If the work which any person has built on this foundation survives this test, he will get his reward. But if any person's work is burned up, under the test, he will suffer the loss of it all, though he himself will be saved, but only as one who passed through fire. Foundation, Christ. Now we start building with wood, iron, straw. Okay, you can read through the whole Jeremiah. People are called trees. That's wood, if you don't know. Okay. Many, or right through the Bible, people are called trees. Okay. Grass. Oh, all flesh is like grass, and the flower of grass fades and drops off. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Okay, First Peter the word, chapter 1. The word of the Lord endures forever. All flesh is like grass fades. Wood, hay, stubble. It's flesh. Build with wood, hay, and stubble on the foundation. Here comes the truth of the word, the love of Christ in the power of God. All the flesh just goes. So all the fleshly doctrines, it just falls apart and it's gone. And the guy standing there, oh my goodness, I wasted my whole life with nonsense. He himself will be saved because he's standing on the foundation. But like someone who went through fire, so he lost all his life's work because it was flesh. But he himself will be saved. The love came, so God still loves him, so he's saved. But now there's this other guy. Same foundation building with gold, silver, and precious stones. Here comes the love of Christ. The gold is already refined by fire. So here comes the love of Christ, and it's just nice. There's no, nothing is burnt up. Everything is, ah, and he gets the reward. Gold, silver, precious stones. <laughs> it's not burned up. It's not gone. It's still there. When we preach the gospel, we are building upon the foundation. We are building into the lives of people. We are bringing people to perfection. We, the body builds up the body in love, Ephesians 4. When I tell you who you are in Christ, your heart is built up. You increase in stature. You grow in grace. You grow in power. You grow and you move in the things of God. If I come and I exclude you from those things by telling you, you must first take my seven steps, ten keys, then you sit there frustrated with 15 Sundays worth of steps and you don't know where to start. Because every Sunday there's seven more steps. Now you stand up with the truth of the love of God that you heard today. Those seven steps just... <laughs> it's made, it's, it's just gone. It's made void. So the whole thing is gone. So, so... When the, the truth is preached, the doctrines of the stuff shaken. 
but it's a good shaking. Because that which will remain shall remain. And that which can be shaken shall be shaken. So Lord, let your love come. Let your love come and remove everything that is flesh. Let my mind be renewed. With other words, shake me. Loose from the dust. Arise, arise. Shake yourself loose from the dust. Sit in a dignified place. Loose yourself from the bonds around your neck, O daughter of Jerusalem. The glory of God is not meant to put people in effort and to exclude people. It is meant to give you fellowship with Him, to build you up in Christ. It's meant to establish you in righteousness so that you won't be moved. It's meant to, to get you going so that you can show Christ to the world. Wherefore, rec- receiving the kingdom, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably. <laughs> For our God is indeed full of love, a consuming fire. The blood of Jesus speaks a message to your conscience. And that message is your sins are forgiven. You will never remember it again. And he erases your memory of it. And you cannot return to what you cannot remember. Okay. Amen. Amen. Amen.